showtime. Middleweight champ Carlos Adames makes his first title defense. Adames exploding. He caught him with the left hook, and he's hurt. Against former three belt title holder Julian J. Rock Williams. You wanted the best. You got the best. Adames to the body and upstairs. Two top fighters from boxing's deepest division go toe to toe. Adames versus Williams for the interim middleweight championship on Showtime. You know what's up. You know what's next. I'm coming. I got one sentence. What's my motherfucking name? It's about that time. Welcome back to another week of DQ with Damani. We've got a lot of meat and cheese to dig into, so let's not waste any time on the hyper-exaggerated intro like I usually do. Unlike Progray's fight last week, I definitely enjoyed the way this week's fight rolled out. Berlanga had an excellent showing against Jason Quigley. Spence and Crawford are starting to get more intense with their trash talk. Carlos Adames finishes Julian Williams in controversial fashion, and Roley receives a strange piece of credit from the 140-pound champ Regis program. First, let's get all of the Adames situation out of the way first, mostly because it came all to a breaking point during the finishing portion of the contest. Carlos Adames currently holds an interim WBC middleweight belt, and due to the title picture at 160 pounds looking questionable, we're unsure of when Adames will be able to receive the full belt. Jermel Charlo has been clinging on to his WBC middleweight championship for almost two years now, and with no opponent in sight, there doesn't really seem to be a lot in store for the future of Carlos Adames at 160 pounds, unless Charlo, of course, vacates the belt, he will be promoted to full champion, and then we will hopefully begin to see some movement in the division. However, just because he's an interim champion does not mean that we can't see some unification. Now, the situation just seems to be stuck in a weird stalemate. Adames is stuck in a situation very similar to David Benavides at super middleweight, defending the interim belt as if it is a true world championship, only to be counted out by the real champion and the general public at large. Triple G just gave up all of his titles, meaning that currently the IBF and IBO belts at 160 pounds are vacant. If Adames really wants to remain active after his match with Julian Williams, he could pull anyone from the top 15 that would be willing to unify either of those vacant titles with his interim belt. Of course, they also have to be ranked high enough within each of those individual sanctioning bodies, one of which being the IBF and the other being the IBO, because the WBA championship is currently occupied by Erislandi Lara. Lara was, of course, promoted to full champion after Triple G vacated his WBA championship. This match overall was really intense. Julian Williams hasn't necessarily been in great form as of late, so this fight was a must win. A lot of people are unsure of his future after the stoppage loss he took this past Saturday. The argument could be seriously made that the referee made a poor and misguided decision, seeing as how Julian was punching as the ref stepped in. I'm not going to lie to y'all. We always keep it 100 on a DQ with the Money podcast. I do not think this was a good stoppage at all. It's not a good stoppage. He definitely could have gone a couple more rounds, and I think he could have been able to finish the fight, especially since he didn't go down. Not once did he take a shot that floored him. He was not on his back. He did not take a knee. He was on his feet the entire match. So I genuinely do not like seeing these sorts of stoppages happen. 
In addition to his activity, Julian was using defensive head movement to avoid taking more damaging shots from Adamas. I'm not here to argue that Williams was winning. I'm just here to make the case that he was both conscious and willing to continue the fight. It's undeniable that he was getting hit with some heavy and clean shots, but if a fighter is indicating that he's going to go out on his shield, then the ref should allow that. And this is exactly what Bredman Edwards said. His cornermen, all of them, especially Bredman Edwards, were all saying that they should let him go out on his shield. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to go out on his shield, but the ref stepped in. So we've got a terrible decision. We've got refs making a questionable decision. We've got judges making questionable decisions. Everybody's really just in a bad position right now when it comes to how fights like that should be handled. I don't really like the way that things are going. So we've all got the misfortune of Julian Williams not being able to have the type of performance that he wanted to have, regardless of whether or not he was winning the fight. He was really frustrated with the fact that the fight was stopped prematurely, although it most likely had more to do with the positionality of both men. Julian Williams is considered a B-side fighter because of his lack of a title and credible position in the division. And as of yesterday, he was ranked number 29th in the middleweight division. His trainer, as mentioned earlier, Bredman, clashed with the referee and Adamish's trainer, Bob Santos. Just take a listen to the explosive conclusion of the fight right here. I'll roll that for y'all. times and then step in and stop the fucking fight. He never even went down. It's a championship fucking fight. So as you heard just now from Bradman Edwards, his head coach, he was really just frustrated that the referee stopped the fight in such a premature way because of the weight of the fight. Stopping a championship fight should come with much more consideration than seeing a fighter's guard open up just briefly, just for a moment. He gets caught clean. His hands get split. Of course, you have to have a level of discernment, but that does not mean the fight should be stopped. There needs to be more consideration than just that. However, Bob Santos feels much differently than Bredman does on the conclusion of this fight. He also made some interesting comments about the power of Julian Williams and how Adamas responded. Once again, I will get that for you guys right about now. I had talked to him about that. I don't think, you know, he felt that he had any type of power that was really going to do anything to, uh, you, you know, hurt him or anything like that, you know. So I, I think he just didn't feel that he had that type of power that was going to be able to hurt him. And I told him, hey, you know, just just keep your hands up, you know, be alert, be able, be able, be alert. But uh, uh, for the most part, I think 
he just didn't feel he had any kind of punching power that was going to be able to really turn the tide for him. As you all just heard there, Bob Santos has the utmost faith in Adamas' chin. He does not believe that Adamas was hurt by any of the return fire from J-Rock Julian Williams. However, I disagree. I would like to believe that Adamas was not necessarily hurt, but he was gassing out. And it was very obvious that Adamas was getting tired near the tail end of these rounds. He would start strong, especially after round three and four. He started off very strong, but then he started to slow down around the median point of the round and drop off as Williams started to get more active. So whether or not you want to believe he was hurt is questionable, but Adamas getting tired? Yes, he was definitely getting tired. There's no way that you could look at that and say that Adamas was not tired. I do love my Dominican brother. He is a true black man, a true black champion. I don't think that he was hurt. But to sit here and say that he wasn't gassing out, say that he wasn't getting tired, is to just deny J-Rock's both defensive ability and his offensive ability. Let's just keep it 100, man. I, I can't stand seeing guys get caught up in situations like this especially when it's a world title fight i don't care if it's an interim belt i don't care if it's a placeholder belt while charlo figures out his situation on whether or not he wants to fight canelo or not we have to keep it real he was gassing out he was getting tired and i know bob santos wants to save face because he doesn't want adamas to turn out like hector garcia of course he is his head coach as well and we saw what happened with the tank fight so we, we, we've just got to really analyze these sorts of situations and just tell the truth because you can't completely just violate a B-side fighter like that. And the way that this fight rolled out and the comments that these guys are making, I just don't like it. I know they're going to save face like I just said, but it's really unfair. Somebody let me know why there was so much doubt surrounding Edgar Belanga. Can we just sit here and just talk about that for just a moment, y'all? I just want to understand why people were doubting Edgar Berlanga to the point that he had to respond himself. Can we figure that out? And I also would like to hear some apologies. I need to hear some apologies, especially from the PR community. I've never seen so much self-hatred and self-racism until it comes time for an Edgar Berlanga fight week. I promise you, you will never see more racist comments coming from actual Puerto Ricans. Like, how can people from PR be so racist against their own countrymen? It's crazy. It, it, it really shocks me seeing all of the things people would say about him. And I guarantee you they can't back it up. So let's get down to the nitty gritty of Edgar Berlanga versus Jason Quigley from this past weekend. Let's go. We definitely want more gear next, for sure, for sure. I want that mother... I think Gennady Golovkin, also in the big room, is a tremendous fight. You've got Billy Joe Saunders from the UK, but he needs a, probably a comeback fight first. There's loads of fights. John Ryder, but, you know, I think the fights that fill the big room are, are Mungia and, and Gennady Golovkin. We got to make it happen right now. Like, this is the year to make it happen, you know. Puerto Rico versus Mexico, you know, he's a he's a banger. I'm a banger. Um, I definitely got the rust off, you know. I'm back with my old team, you know, so we going to pick up from that 12th round, we picking it up from there on. Like, that's how we're going to fight from round one to round 12 from now, you know. So uh, I just had to shake up, shake it up, um, you know, and uh, and get the job done. This he is hopes. his blessing and his curse. He, ho he hopes that he's in, in range. Find your range, bruh. 
He hopes that he's got the right distance. Judge your distance, bruh. He hopes that this right hand lands. Pick whether or not you need to use the jab first. P throw a body shot first. Do something. Sean, don't the jab set up all everything you're saying? Unless you're hoping for something. And he hoping for something with every single punch that he throws. Great that you dropped Quigley two out of those three times that you dropped him. But where's the finish? Where's the where's the urgency there in the in in the setting it up to get it done? Twelfth round, he came out there for the kill. He came out for the kill, but at what point does it look clean? Yeah. What so Showtime Sean Porter was really really harsh on Berlanga's performance, as you just heard there, and then of course, as you guys also heard from Berlanga, he wants Jaime Munguia next, as the entire boxing world knows a matchup between a puerto rican and a mexican is fireworks automatic fireworks and once again we love keeping it 100 on a dq with damani podcast i have never led y'all astray when it comes to a fight and i will not start doing it now on this episode if jaime munguia and edgar berlanga find a way to get a deal done with matchroom i am going to be 100,000 percent truthful with you all it will be a contender for fight of the year there's no way that that fight's not a contender for fight of the year and i'm telling you that with pure confidence there is not a bone in my body that does not believe that that fight is going to be fight of the year and i've thrown that around several times because the action that is required of a fight for it to be fight of the year has to be incredibly high but that does not mean that this fight will not qualify i 100 percent Believe that this fight is it. This is the fight. Two prospects who are completely unafraid to sacrifice their undefeated records. Jaime Munguia, he throws bombs from every single position. He chases you around the ring. Edgar Berlanga, just a pure shot caller. He calls the shot, he lands it, he drops you. He knows exactly where he wants that shot to land every single time. And of course, against Jason Quigley, he proved it. Regardless of how you feel about what our boy Showtime Sean Porter said, Edgar Berlanga still had an amazing performance against Jason Quigley. I don't want you guys to believe that Jason Quigley was some sort of boogeyman that was going to put Edgar Berlanga back in his place. He was like, oh, I see you keep smirking. You and your, your man's over there. You know what I'm saying? Y'all keep, keep smirking. Y'all keep laughing like this shit. Y'all gonna have a playground. Like Y'all gonna go in a fight and it's gonna be an easy fight. I'll say, y'all crazy, man. Like... You know, my hands do the talking at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? So I was just letting him know, like, I'm going to you up. Like, this is what it is. Like, you're going in there thinking you're going to be dancing, you're doing a ballerina dance around me in the ring, and it's not going to be that. Man. Because he was not. He was knocked down a total of four times. A whopping four times this man was knocked down. You may want to say three times because one of them involved him crossing his feet and falling over. But, of course, Berlanga fans are all saying Quigley was down four times. Even DAZN's website and their highlights regarding the fight say that Quigley was down four times. So that's the number we're going to go ahead and run with here on the show. I am going to be completely truthful with you all. I do believe Edgar Berlanga is ready for the next big challenge, mostly because of how 
easily he was able to handle the forward pressure of Jason Quigley. You could tell that Quigley was trying to be first to the punch on several of the exchanges, but it was pretty obvious that Edgar Berlanga was going to weather the storm, get through all 12 rounds, and secure the victory, whether that was by a decision or by a resounding knockout. So we just got some interesting details regarding Adrian Broner and Regis Progray. Fight Hype had Regis Progray on their show this past week to discuss a couple of things. He also spoke on Roley and a few different title pictures at 140 pounds. I'm going to go ahead and roll that for you guys right about now. Yeah, we're going to talk about trash. It's, I think it'll be a good... I guess Roley got the WB belt. So, you know, maybe if me and Roley can fight, you know, I guess that's a cool. I just, man, I wouldn't want to fight Roley, bro. I just somebody, I mean, money and the belt, yes. But just Roley is like not that good to me, bro. I mean, he got power. All right. I give, I, I respect that he got the power, but I just don't think he just, for me, I just don't think that Roley's just not that good. But listen, bro, if they could, if the Eddie, if Eddie come to me and say, man, you might have Roley next, I say, shit. All right, Eddie. Well, how much you gonna give me? How much money we gonna get paid? And you know, we'll talk about it. I, a little skill. He's not a world champion for nothing. But the old man he fought was beating his ass, bro. That old man was when he dropped him. That old man was whooping on his ass. So, um, I guess it's just Roley. I don't know, bro. I just have no interest in fighting Roley. But if it happens, then I mean, maybe I'll be happy about it because he does have a belt. I might get unified with Roley, but we'll see, bro. I just. I don't know. I mean, he his he just. I guess he's awkward. That's all. It's just his skill looks just. It's not like skill. He looks awkward. He looks like um. Mayorga. Like Roley being an awkward fighter isn't an uncommon theme across the boxing world. The people around the belts at 135 and 140 pounds have all come together and branded Roley as a strange-footed knockout artist. Of course, Progres won't be opposed to taking on Roley, but it sounds like he's moving closer towards fighting Teofimo Lopez and Adrian Broner. I really, really, really want to see him fight AB. Once again, we have reached another ending of a wonderful week of DQ with Damani. This July 1st, we have Jared Big Baby Anderson beating up Charles Martin. I am going to go ahead and give you guys my prediction right now. I see a knockout for Big Baby Anderson. If you're going to put your money up and not get your funny up, make sure you put it on Jared Anderson. I do believe that he is going to get the job done against Charles Martin. He was supposed to fight Kosobutsky, and of course he had visa issues, so Charles Martin would be a last-minute replacement i do believe that this is going to be a great fight for big baby and i'm very excited to see where he takes his talents next will he go over to the uk and fight the uk heavyweights will he fight some asian heavyweights will he fight some more russian and eastern european heavyweights we will see after he dismantles charles martin but one thing is for certain i do want him with a belt soon hopefully we get daniel dubois also this weekend on July 1st, we have Franchon Cruz versus Marshall. The winner will most definitely be taking on the undisputed champion, Clarissa Shields. If you are a fan of women's boxing like I am, you know that this fight is massive. There are going to be major, major, major things happening in the world of women's boxing within these next few months. And I'm completely unsurprised that Franchon Cruz is this confident in herself. If you heard a lot of the pre-fight trash talk, you know exactly what I mean.
Let me say something. See, this is a difference. I'm gonna tell you the difference right here, right now between me and Savannah. You get dog walk your last fight and think you get another shot. I never had that luxury. So you fighting and you keep thinking you gonna walk over me and you gonna act like this isn't, this isn't happening right here, it's gonna be a long night for you. That's all I can tell you. We fight for two different things. Cause for me, even when I win, I lose. When you lose, you get babysat. You get pushed, oh, I get another opportunity, I want the rematch. Nah, like this title, like the, like the poster say, all or nothing. You ain't got nothing. I got it all and I'm gonna keep it. And she is extremely confident in herself, her abilities, and the way she moves around the ring. She knows that she's going to potentially be too much for Savannah Marshall, who believes that Frenchon Cruz is ripping off Alicia Baumgartner. Either way, regardless of what fight you are watching this weekend, please make sure your butts are in your couches or you are in those stadium seats. You do not want to miss either of these high profile matchups. I'm your host, Damani Le Tigre Medir, and I hope you have a blessed weekend. Please stay safe, drink responsibly if you're going to drink, and please make sure you support our fighters.